Radio is your dedicated Porsche and car podcast, taking you closer than ever to the world's finest sports cars and the culture and history behind them. Brought to you by NineWorks.co.uk, the innovative online platform for Porsche enthusiasts, NineWorks Radio is presented by Porsche journalist Lee Sibley and 993 owner and engineer Andy Brooks, with special input from friends and experts around the industry, as well as our valued listeners. Enjoy the episode. Good evening, listeners. Good evening. Even Andy here. Lee here. How, How are we doing? Very well, mate. How are you? Yeah, good. Episode two today. Yep, of Nine Works Radio. Yeah, and we have a two-pronged method of attack for today in terms of subject matters. Yep, uh, going to hit market values later on. Yes, so we all want to find out if our the values of our cars and your cars at home are about to tank in value <laughs> or, not, or whether it's going to be a nice steady winter into 2022. In these crazy times at the moment, you just don't know what's going to happen, do you? Exactly that. Well, we will, I suppose, in, a, in an yeah. hour or so. Yeah. Um, and before that, we're going to be having a very sensible conversation about knobs and shafts. <laughs> You've been seeing that up all day, haven't you? <laughs> So you managed to get a little bit of a, a segment with Tony Hatter um, telling us a bit of history about, <laughs> I can't say that, uh, gear knobs well, in, in Porsche. Yeah. Um, and then later on, we will be getting Simon on from Built by Basil, yeah. who is a, a manufacturer, uh, or should I say handcrafter of gear knobs in Various different, well, wood mostly, yeah. different woods. Yeah, so, and a local yeah, guy as well, we've just found out, just across yes. the New Forest, so yeah. even better. Yeah, so cool. Yeah, okay, so... Right, where should we start? Um, what we... was the first gear knob in a, in a Porsche? Ah, see, great shout. See, the reason I contacted um, the Porsche Museum was to ask that very question, because I yeah. thought, I really want that 917-style shifter in my 911. So you've had that for a while now, have you? Yes, yeah. How long has that been in? A year or so? Nah, three months, four months. Oh, really? Yeah, not long. Oh, okay. But then I just thought, well, yeah, what's this fascination with like wooden gear knobs in Porsches? Yeah. So uh, then obviously I know there's the history with the 917, it revived for the Carrera GT, of course, as well. Yeah. And so asked Porsche Museum and the brilliant guys there that we spoke about in episode one last week. Um, they said, we will put you in contact with someone who can tell you quite a lot about that. Yeah. And that is Mr. Tony Hatter, obviously, in <laughs> reviving the, the shifter for the Carrera GT. Yeah. So there's a really nice um, segment that we'll play for, for you guys listening at home today um, where he, yeah, we start with um, the 908. Right. Which preceded the 917. Yeah. And the wooden shifter was all down to uh, Mr. Ferdinand Pieck. And his relentless quest for weight saving. Oh, so it's a weight saving thing. Yeah. I always put it down. I always wondered if it was a heat thing. Ah, uh-huh. that is not a bad shout at yeah. all, to be honest. Yeah, okay. yeah, as a, as a secondary uh, secondary positive, but yeah, yeah. weight. Okay. Um, so, is it worth playing that now to yeah, get let's... some grounding, and then we'll get Simon in to offer a contemporary viewpoint? Yeah, let's do it. because we've also we want to discuss yours because you have also. I've recently gone wooden. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. we'll we'll discuss that. With the help length. of Simon, yeah. Yes, so, yeah, exactly that. So okay, let's, let's play it then. Excellent. So maybe shed some life on like the origins um, of the shifter, why it was in there, what it was made out of, and then obviously why it kind of found its way onto the Carrera GT. Well, yeah, well, well, the story goes that it came from Pierre. Okay. You know, from the beginning, and it had to be as light as possible. Yeah. and make a wooden gear lever and somebody came back with a wooden gear knob 
and said, this is still too heavy, so they made it out of balsa wood. <laughs> and uh, that, of course, disintegrated in the race. Drivers were coming about with uh, bloody hands, and it, it was not really a very good idea. You have to have extremely hard wood to sustain uh, a 24-hour race or even a short race. It takes punishment. So it's not really a particularly good idea. And I think, uh, I think during the 908 period, I think they even stopped it. I think a singer said, this is just getting too dangerous and we can't allow them to have a, a, piece, a very vital piece of um, control equipment. That can't fail. It cannot fail. So, um, yeah. so it was. I don't was, think, it, in retrospect, it was a good idea. Yeah, that's quite which, interesting. Which so, brings us round the clarity. <laughs> then why did you do it again? So, <laughs> so here, here is one. <laughs> wow! Can, I can't believe we've got you, that. That's awesome. In fact, it's it's not. It, this is. Um, I think this is a prototype from my wife because she was the one who was then. She had to develop it because she worked in colour and trim at that, on those days. Ah, amazing. Okay. And, uh, yeah, and so this is the thing that a firm, a company called, um, oh, they're not far from here. I can't remember their name. Uh, they put this together over Christmas, over one Christmas, and uh, it took a lot of forcing to get this through the buying department. They said, no, 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 we, we can't do this. It's too complicated because it is a laminated piece of wood. I think it's birch and ash that we used used uh, finally, and it's a complicated piece. And it's only it's only a small part of the gear lever. So, uh, and it's it's set onto onto the uh, metal shaft uh, as an angle, yeah, same angle as the uh, the middle console, the rising middle console. Yeah, yeah. So why um, why Tony? Did you say right? You know, let's kind of revive some of that. I cannot consciously remember whether I actually said that, but we felt that the man-face interface should be as natural as possible. Okay. So you've got leather on the steering wheel, leather on the seats, leather on all the bits and pieces that you touch, and uh, wood on the gear lever. So it was just trying to get a bit of, in this super high-tech, for those, it's now 20 years old, super high-tech car, where, where everywhere you touch was carbon fibre. It was perhaps uh, overkill um, from high-tech materials, so it was great to have some relief in the form of leather and a little piece of wood. And then the other piece of wood was this. Have you seen that? I haven't, no. Oh, so is that the official luggage that came with the That's car? That's the Carrera GT um, briefcase. Oh. And I did that with a company in Italy. They did the whole set, and that's the beautiful handle i've never used this it's quite heavy actually but <laughs> probably very impractical too but uh, <laughs> it looks great it looks great well it, hopefully it'll last longer than a le mans 24-hour race as well so yes, yes. was um was, was that standard uh, standard issue tony with the carrera gt or was that optional? i think or? i think the customers had to specify a luggage set with the uh, with the car yeah i think I, yeah i cannot remember and it came in in the leather that matched the interior Nineworks Radio is part of nineworks.co.uk, your innovative new platform for Porsche enthusiasts. Register for free to take advantage of exclusive member discounts. How cool to hear from the designer of the 993 and the Carrera GT about his wooden bits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again, like, it's just amazing honesty from Mr. Hatter there. Yeah. And uh, yeah, the, the luggage set as well. Never knew that. 
That briefcase yeah. is amazing. Uh, we'll definitely post some pictures up of that. Yes. Because uh, obviously you won't be able to see it on the podcast, but we'll, we'll post some um, screen dumps of it. Yes, we'll share it with and you And see if we home. can find out some more details on it. But yeah, I didn't know there was a like a luggage set. No. Well, the there's, um, there's a Carrera GT meet at Cafe the Machine later this month. Is there really? Yeah. So let's see if any owners, uh, I won't be there for yeah. that because it's the same day as uh, Fried Eggs and Friends. Yeah. So we'll be with some real cars like 996s. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it'd be, it'd be nice to know if any Carrera GT owners uh, turn up with the luggage set and if it does indeed match their interior or if they've just bought a random set for a lot of money off eBay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and if they're lugging, the, lugging around the briefcase with a wooden yeah. handle. That's yeah, amazing. yeah, yeah. So that was, um, yeah, Mr. Hatter there supplying a pretty good grounding as to the historical significance of wooden shifters in Porsches. So in 908, then it, they were trying to use balsa wood, which, I don't know, it sounds crazy to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, it does now, I suppose. Yeah. But why, because um, we'll bring on uh, Simon shortly to offer yes. a contemporary viewpoint on that. But like, why did you get a wooden shifter in yours then? Because you've had it in for what, a month now, six weeks? Uh, yeah, about a month yeah. Is. yeah what made you go for that then um i've been yeah i don't know just been lusting after a bit of wood in the in in my gear neva uh, sorry gear knob yeah it's, it's think it's the x50 optional extra um which apparently is very desirable but i didn't really like the look of it um, was that the really thin one or the one that was quite no, like spherical quite bulbous yeah, yeah okay, with a yeah. aluminium top to yeah, it yeah yeah okay um so yeah decided that i wanted a wooden gear lever a while ago um and simon from built by basil got in contact with me and um said do you do you fancy a wooden gear knob in return for doing some instructions because he's been doing some um ones for 993 and 964 um i was like oh yeah definitely up for that yeah nice. um and we came up with a, an idea to have the rosewood top and bottom and yeah. then some skateboard stripes in it to match the silly stripes on the car yeah but there's like by uh maybe a bit of serendipity it kind of looks like the german yeah german colors or the german flag essentially yeah, running so through the I middle went of for the red for the exterior color yeah black for the interior color and then a bit of orange for the stripes yeah yeah um which matches the the fatherland quite nicely yes nearly there <laughs> so, isn't it is yeah. it well it's yellow isn't it rather than orange but right, it's, okay. yeah, it's very close yeah, very good. Yeah. Okay, well, look, shall we bring on uh, Simon after the, the warm-up of Mr. Hatter? Absolutely. <laughs> for the main event. <laughs> oh. he's, he's, yeah. He looks nervous. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I make little wooden gear knobs and I'm following Tony Hatter, so... <laughs> <laughs> A little bit nervous. <laughs> but I think you might not be making wooden gear knobs if it wasn't for Mr. Hatter, so is that important in your... Um, yeah, like, it was kind of odd when I first started doing them. It was just skateboard, but now... I do a lot for Porsches and yeah. a lot of it is people want that 917 look. Now mm. I don't make them with balsa. They're made with uh, walnut and uh, maple, which yeah. are hardwoods and hopefully you shouldn't wear out. And if you do, I'll replace it. It's not a problem. <laughs> <laughs> the disclaimer's in there already. <laughs> but um, yeah, like it's simple things like that. And if he hadn't done that and it wasn't such like an iconic look, I never would like, I don't know how many of them I've done now. A few hundred probably. Mm, yeah. And like if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have done that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. when when did your business start? When did well, when was the first gear knob that you made? So the first gear knob I made, I think, was end of year twenty seventeen. Okay, and pretty so much not so long ago. Yeah, no, it's not it's what, five years? Four yeah. years? Yeah. And um 
I just saw someone on Reddit who had done it from skateboards. Yeah. And so I was like, I can do that. <laughs> and like at the time I was at uni, so I didn't have a car and my brother had like a uh Mark II Golf GTI. Yeah. And I was like, I'll just make him a gear knob and so managed to make it work and then posted about it on Reddit. And people really liked it. And I'd made like seven or something at this point. And I chucked them all up on Etsy and pretty much I was like, cool, this is how I did it, shared it and sold all seven of them or whatever it was in about three hours flat. <laughs> really? That's incredible. And Amazing. the power of the internet. Yeah, it was a little bit weird because I was working for my previous company. I was driving back from Bristol uh, back to Limington, which is like two and a half hour drive. Mm -hmm. And I just posted it on Reddit before I'd left uh, the place I was at. And like a stop off at the services and I checked my phone and there's like 400 notifications and I was on like the front page of Reddit and the album which I showed how it was made had something like, I think it's like 450,000 views. Wow. Oh my God. And it's just surreal. And yeah. I'm there and I'm like, I'm like, I've got like these notifications from the Etsy app thing. It's saying you've got money. And I was like, I was just driving. How am I getting paid for this? Like, <laughs> just like driving, driving back from work. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much how I started. And then I just started making more and more ended up pretty much. I got fed up with my job. It wasn't really for me. And so I went part-time was working at a company which make like specialist cameras. And then that kind of like started to fade away. And it's only in the last six months where I've actually gone like hundred percent full-time on it. Yeah. Wow. Which is pretty terrifying yeah <laughs> but like it works but it's a bit scary it's great i mean there it, it, obviously it's an awesome concept it has um a, a brilliant following in like the porsche community again just going back to that historical significance but i really like the fact that you use uh, recycled skateboard decks um yeah like working with skateboards works really well because for whatever reason it's like seven layer plywood effectively and they color the layers in them mm -hmm. yeah and so you get a lot of like really bright kind of shocking colors which like works really well for like if someone's got like a bright red car Don't worry it, about it, it it works really well because you can match it to your car and also you've got that kind of aspect that it's unique because yeah. like they're never always going to be the same yeah mm -hmm. um and yeah i've just developed it from there like i now do engraving on them and i do loads and loads of different kind of hardwoods as well yeah which surprisingly makes up probably about half my business now yeah, I was thinking, where where the hell do you get skateboards from? Well, I, mean, that, I, I skate myself, so yeah. like I get for a few. Okay, and I've got friends that skate. Okay, and like every now and again, when I'm running really low, I like put out on social media, like, does anyone want to give me some boards? Because yeah. like I've got subtle, and like <laughs> normally some people like turn around, and, like give me a few boards, I give you a free gear. Yeah, yeah, like it's there's no like kind of like hard and fast like. I'd buy them from an ex supplier because it's just not like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So well, if they are a unique thing, aren't they? Well, yeah. That's what makes it great. I, I'm just thinking of a scenario where you're at a skate park, someone snaps their deck, and then usually there's a, a cheer where everyone goes, Wee! The owner goes, Oh my God. There's usually then an expletive in there, and you're there going, Brilliant. Business is back on. More material. <laughs> I, I'm not going to lie, I have done that a few times. I, I've, I've seen a mate snap a board, and I'm like, Oh, yes, lovely. <laughs> back in the game. Back the like game. a vulture. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is, is there any particular concept. brand of skateboard that's um, better than anything else? Um, so most major manufacturers, they all use 
Canadian maple uh, veneers. The main reason I use Canadian veneers is because it's growing in a cold climate. Okay. So what happens is you end up with smaller growth rings. So you yeah. have a stronger piece of wood because yeah. there's less of the weak section of the grain. Uh-huh. Um, and all of the major board companies use this because it's if you don't, it affects the performance of the board. Yeah. Um, there are a few companies. There's one called um, Palace, and they make really, really cool colors in their boards. Um, but yeah, largely like it's just up to the preference of the company, what colors they use. Yeah. Mm. You get quite a lot of diversity. Yeah. Right. Interesting. Never knew, never knew any of that. <laughs> no. this, is, this is exactly why we do this podcast. Absolutely. Weird stuff yeah, to find that, out. That's absolutely awesome. So, um, the other thing that I'd noticed, certainly when I was looking for a wooden shifter, I was like, right, yeah. well, I need to find somebody that does these. Couldn't really find any. And there, there's, um, if you look historically, there's a few like old forum threads that come up from yeah. friends in the States where this just like fantastic argument kicks off over what would was used on like the 917 and whatnot. And then if these new ones that this guy was making were like authentic to that and, and it was it was quite interesting to just see every kind everybody weighed in, I suppose, yeah. and have their yeah. have their two piece on on what these wooden shifters were back in the day, you know. Um but ultimately, it led to just a forum thread with no place to buy these shifters. So it was a, bit of a, a bit of a dead end. And um, yeah, obviously, I found a place in the end. Um, but there's there's not many people out there doing it. And I suppose it is pretty specialist, like, you know. Yeah, it is uh, pretty specialist. I think there's uh, I think there's about five of us globally yeah. you kind of like do like this Porsche specific for the rectangular shafts of 92464 blah 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 pretty much every Porsche post 964 yeah uh, has a rectangular shaft so pretty much any aftermarket shift knob does not fit yeah uh, modern Porsche yeah because most most shift knobs on most cars are, are, are threaded aren't they uh, yeah they're either threaded or pr- push fit yeah onto a um, round shaft yeah. yeah so this is like well like I was kind of pretty annoyed when i first started doing this and like i was doing like oh <laughs> uh, like why old... do these stupid porsche engineers come up with this square idea oh mate absolutely i was just like why do they have to overcomplicate such a simple thing <laughs> like it makes sense because it's now made from flat bar round bar it's easier to form blah 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 yeah. All the engineering behind it why they actually did it but as someone who's just starting out and everything's round because everything i do is on a lathe like i'm mm-hmm. saying you bunch of bastards <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, now I got it sorted out. It's like, it's worked out pretty well. Yeah. Like I still do huge amounts for like the old GNF models. Yeah. Like just cause everyone loves them and yeah. pretty much anyone who has a GRF model other than the people which have them for like concourse cars, like everyone else drives them, modifies them, does X, Y, Z to them. So yeah. swapping out a gear knob and like, I'm pretty reasonable for what it is. Like they don't really bat an eyelid at it yeah. when it can match exactly what they want. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I want to know, like, um, from your point of view, and apologies if you've covered this already, but how kind of you, like, found the Porsche thing? Like, you know, so you you want to make these, but how did you know that, like, intrinsically there's this massive following among Porsche enthusiasts mm. for these wooden shifters? See, this the thing is, like, this is part of the reason my wife hates me is because I kind of fell on my feet. Mm-hmm. I didn't go out <laughs> looking. I didn't. I didn't go out looking for markets and stuff like that. I didn't like go. Oh, I want to push into the Subaru market or whatever. And just, I got posted around a few Porsche Facebook groups. Yeah. Uh, I got posted on like a load of uh, Porsche parts uh, in- Instagram pages. Yeah. yeah. They shared it. 
And like, I'll be honest, like, I just did what I enjoyed doing and like yeah. people seem to like it. Yeah, yeah, but how great is that? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Fantastic. And there's people out there who like struggle with marketing and they're sat there calling me a dick right now. <laughs> <laughs> so then like, so you, you've made um, a couple of shifters, they've like sold well. And then have you like then kind of researched into like Porsche from there? So like when we played that Tony Hatter piece just now, like you intrinsically were like, having a really good look at like the shifter, but you knew lots about it already. Whereas Andy and I've kind of gone into that blind almost. Yeah. Like I spend a lot of time reading like forum posts from like 2007 when I'm trying to like find and learn something out. Yeah. Um, yeah. In, t- in terms of the whole basketball gear knob. Yeah. I already knew that story and I knew that it had smashed pieces as well. Yeah. It's like quite an obscure kind of story to, I'm not like saying going, I know everything, see. <laughs> and I also knew about uh, the 917 knob because someone asked if I could remanufacture it before, but then they bought it at the price. So, um, But yeah, I did a huge amount of research on like pretty much every single thing Porsche related in yeah. terms of gear knobs. Oh, excellent. So that means you can be sympathetic to the appearance maybe. Yeah. Um, but it's readapted for a, for a modern style, you know, which again, going back to like the recycled skateboard thing, uh, in in my own car, yeah. I I absolutely love that idea. To be honest, yeah. I, I I really do. I think it's great. Yeah, um, and part of the reason, like I like I'm an engineer for and through, so mm-hmm. I always wanted everything to be able to fit everything, and yeah. like that's kind of like where I got my, like that's where I managed to turn it from kind of like doing one offs and like odd ones here and there to like where I could actually manufacture properly because yeah. like that's my background. And like I found out a way to make universal adapters so I can thread pretty much any car, any shaft diameter, and it also work for Porsche rectangular shafts. And like that was like the big like hurdle for me yeah. to like get over and understand how to like build something for production and like actually have a product. Yeah, right, okay, fair. So that's um like the, the shifter itself or the knob, but like what about the the shaft? <laughs> can't oh. say that about raising the eyebrows as well yeah. <laughs> a bit of millhouse eyebrows <laughs> yeah but like so is that something that's designed by you or like how you know how did that come around so pretty much with every uh porsche uh 964 and later where they're on these rectangular shafts i designed uh an adapt Arise is the wrong word because it doesn't actually raise up the height of the gear knob. It just covers further down the shaft. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because um, otherwise you'd have like a wooden ball sat on the top and you'd have to work out how to bring the gator up yeah. to make it look presentable because otherwise you've got a bent metal form. So I made this uh, aluminium kind of tube effectively that the knob screws onto, goes over the shaft. It's got like a 3D printed uh, bush on the inside. So pretty much that holds it so it's snug mm. and then you just have set screws holding onto the shaft. Right. So then with 997, where that has the boot clip onto the underside of the gear knob, I pretty much, I had a customer who was up north actually. And I explained to him that I'm working on the 997, et cetera, et cetera. And he went, well, do you want me to send you my spare gear knob? So really? he posted me his gear knob and I'm sat there taking measurements from it and like uh, 3D printed the clip so that it will clip to the boot and then everything's held together and looks really smart and then sent it up to him and he sent me a video back and he goes yeah it fits perfectly there's like this slight change here that needs making um then 
this is quite funny actually because he was an engineer by training so he sent me like a full SolidWorks CAD model <laughs> of what <laughs> I needed I, to I, make geek fest love it and love like it. he yeah and he was like oh like I actually kind of love this this is great fun Excellent. and um so yeah like went back and forth I did gain on free obviously because he was helping me out and yeah, it just works. And, and uh, he excellent. helped, you know, his enthusiasm has helped you improve your product as well. Oh, so yeah. It works both yeah. ways. Absolutely. And like, it's really cool having those kind of interactions with people where they're just excited to work on something interesting. And like, I get something out of it, they get something out of it. And like, I like doing production stuff, not so fun, but like little nerdy engineering working yeah, things yeah. out. Like, there's a video on my Instagram of where I was demonstrating fitment on the 997 and I've got like the gearbox shaft on the bench in front of me and you can I watched it back and you could hear the little giddiness in my voice of where I'd like (laughs) made it and it worked and so I was like there and I was like watching it back and I was like you're such a bloody nerd (laughs) (laughs) well your nerdiness is going to land you a little spot on television so you were saying to us off uh, off mic so can you maybe inform the guys at home why you're going to be telefamous imminently <laughs> well it was about a year and a half ago i think maybe longer um i was uh, paul cowland of uh salvage hunters classic cars and a million other one journalists journalistic endeavors he does <laughs> but um he reached out to me because he wanted a special gear on for one of his cars yeah. and uh like we were chatting back and forth sorted out what he wants and he said in his messages and he was like I should get you on the show sometime. I was like, yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> and then, and I was just like, yeah, cool. You got the gear knob and he was happy with it. And then it was probably about six months later, uh, this uh, girl emailed me and she's like, I work for the company which uh, produces this show. Like Paul told us to get in touch with you. And I was like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to happen. Anyway, so like we had our back and forth and, um, uh, planned a date and all of that and then the day before obviously he comes the day before he's coming down went in the workshop till about 11 12 o'clock at night cleaning it up because like, <laughs> be, be, be like the thing was an absolute state so i was like no make it good make it good <laughs> came down film for a day paul is just like he's such a cool dude and just chatted for a day because like, a lot of the processes are like it takes five minutes here good up and then you wait for half an hour yeah. for glue to cure so it's kind of like, yeah, just do a bit, have an atta, do a bit more, chat some more, and that was it. And we were in and out. Like, we sped up some of the sequences yeah. with a bit of TV magic. But, yeah, he was in for, like, half a day. And, like, just him and his uh, cameraman, they're just really cool guys. Brilliant. And oh, what cool. show was it again? Uh, Salvage Hunters Classic Cars, airing in January 2022. I excellent. think they haven't given me an air date. But <laughs> excellent. Oh, that'd be cool to watch that. Um, I saw that you did something different to a gear knob. Uh, I think it was last week or the week before. And that was some sort of trophy. Oh, yeah. So like a big, wow, what would you call it? It's a skateboard wheel. It's in the car. It's in the car, actually. Yeah, I should have bought it in. Yeah. Um, So it looks pretty mad. Yeah, it was definitely like, it was really cool. Pretty much what it is. It's a solid wood skateboard wheel, which is about... I think it's about 200 mil diameter yeah. and about 120 mil bit more thick. And it was a massive chunk of wood. Like I threw it, it got thrown out of my lathe twice. And yeah. bear in mind, this block of wood weighs, I don't know, probably about 15 kilos. Yeah. 
absolutely scared me stupid. But pretty much what it was, it was a prize for um, a skate competition. Wow. So the local guys in Bournemouth, they host a comp each year. Yeah. And it goes on for three days. And pretty much it's for the people which, um, like, it's the MVP, most valuable people. Yeah. Like, the team which, like, really, like, bought the spirit and, like, were just on it. And it's just, it's really cool. And I don't want to give it away. No, I bet. It's massive. I'll, I'll describe it for Lee. Yeah. And we'll put some pictures up of it. Yeah, it's absolutely. Just, it's like a big, well, like a donut, isn't it? Of multitude of skateboard decks in a sort of crisscross effect. I think Simon should show you a picture of it. Because awesome. it's a mad, mad thing. And then it's got a big um, bearing in the middle. Yeah. Um, that's then on some sort of mounting but it just it's huge and yeah. massive and yeah it looks really cool uh, and what are you going to do with it simon then other than chuck it around your rare workshop whoa okay yeah that's awesome leah's just looked at a picture of it by the way <laughs> <laughs> so that's a trophy for this competition so somebody's going to go home with that nice. yes yeah. that's going to sit on awesome. someone's mantelpiece how long does that take to make because that, that just that. to me looks like hours uh, it probably had about 15 hours yeah it was one of those things one of those things where if you're trying to actually charge for it, it would never happen it's yeah, just yeah. It's, you, it's made for the love of it isn't it absolutely do you think um there's any other ideas that you've got in your head now that you've sort of done something that's a little bit different from gear knobs what what other stuff's coming along um so i have uh like i've done a few rings oh, like just simple sim- simple wooden rings yeah. which are like they're pretty cool, pretty simple, but yeah. quite a nice part. And I'm trying to work out how to do like this bent wood bracelet thing. Yeah. But like I've probably dumped about 15 hours into it and it's gone nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know, I know, well, gone nowhere is not correct. Like I know what doesn't work, but yeah, that's, that's it, about yeah. it. <laughs> that's half the battle and developing stuff is finding out what doesn't work. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. 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 Without a doubt. Excellent. So Simon, you have agreed very kindly to offer our listeners uh, a discount on gear knobs yep so pretty much if they use the code nine works nine w-e-r-k-s well played yeah. well played uh if they use code nine works they will get 15 percent off off any of their orders um it doesn't uh, apply in the same way for custom orders if you email me but if you just say when you're going through it and say nine works recommended me i'll take off 15 percent for you amazing awesome. and what website is that on simon uh, my website is builtbybasil.com. Quality. Basil, like the brush or faulty or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where Excellent. does that come from? Just out of interest. Uh, my surname's Basil. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, yeah, my surname's Basil, and I had to come up with a company name in about, like, 15 minutes because <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't have any social media or anything, so I had to, like... Yeah, yeah. I, ne- I needed a name fast, Brilliant. so it's not creative. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. It's, it's to the point. It's very uh, Porsche. Yeah. <laughs> so continuing the two-pronged method of attack that we're doing for episode two of Nineworks Radio, uh, Simon has already kindly offered everybody that Nineworks 15% discount by typing in Nineworks at yeah. the checkout on Built by Basil website. But then you very kindly offered to do something specifically for Patreons as well, which we're always very keen to look after our Patreons. Yeah. So we're very grateful for that. Would you mind explaining, yeah, what that is? Um, Yeah, so for anyone who follows you on Patreon, uh, pretty much you can do a draw and pretty much a winner can have any gear knob they want. Wow. So it can be custom, off the shelf, fit any kind of Porsche, 
yeah like whatever they want fantastic that Amazing. is awesome Thank so yeah so we are really that. chuffed that you're doing that that's yeah. absolutely awesome nice one yeah thank you cool. <laughs> indeed well thank you very much simon for being with us this evening it's been great to hear about about the business yeah how it's going awesome cheers for having me it's been really cool how are you getting on with yours loving it it's just feels fantastic yeah yeah absolutely love it spot on yeah really good very good so yeah thank you thank you simon for that much appreciated tops so that's wooden shifters yep we better get on to some uh auto market watch really as i suppose what we're calling it yeah what's going on in yeah. the crazy world of cars at the moment yes yeah. so we wanted to know and we're, we're pretty sure you guys listening at home as well wanted to know the same thing in terms of where's the market going it'd be nice to get um a specialist or expert take on what's happened over the summer just collect yep. some thoughts on that and then as we said earlier in the in the episode to just get a feel for what could possibly lie ahead it's always yeah. difficult when you ask people to predict the future experts or not at yeah the end of the day there are many variables absolutely and but uh, they've got a good you know finger on the pulse of what's actually yes. happening at the moment yes exactly so uh, we've spoken to uh jamie and mark so that's jamie tyler and mark sumter from paragon yep over in sussex and here is what they have to say. Mark Sumter and Jamie Tyler from Paragon Porsche. Thank you very much for joining us at Nine Mites Radio today. Thanks for Thanks having us. Uh, right. So um, to not call you guys old, but there is sizable experience. <laughs> there's, you're, def- you're, de- you're definitely not old. I'm, I'll be very unkind. But there's, there's a lot of experience between you two in the room there. So how long have you both been uh, in the industry and working at Paragon for? Well, Jamie and I have been sitting in this showroom uh, we have been home since, but for, for <laughs> 28 years. So, uh, yeah, it's a long, long time just here. And obviously, I had a little bit of Porsche experience before we started Paragon uh, yeah. from a, you know, working at a previous garage, but being focused on wanting to be around Porsche. So we had a few Porsches there. But, uh, yeah, so quite a long time. Yeah, it was 1993, wasn't it, that Paragon started yeah, trading. Yeah. So you've um, yes, yeah, yeah. Seen, seen many cars in, in that time, yeah, I'm yes. sure. So. Yeah. <laughs> And a lot of them again and again and again, you know, the same, <laughs> same cars. And you, sometimes you don't see them for like 15, 20 years and it just turns up and it's got an old Paragon plate on it. And we used to do little stickers yeah. that we used to put on the back of these 944s and things, you know, individual stickers. <laughs> and, and you occasionally see one. It makes you feel quite, uh, quite yeah, quite proud, really. It's also nice that people have left them on there as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 stamp of pride. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah so it should be. Um, I remember the um, my silver car when I bought my C4S. It had like the personal plate that was on it, and uh, it said at the bottom Cameron Porsche. And uh, I left it on there. I then put it on my green car, and uh, I just left it on there. I just I ne- never changed it. I only recently changed. And um, yeah, I called in to see Cameron Porsche. I don't know about a year ago. And they were like, oh, thank you. We've had loads of promo because you're driving around with our um, name on the front and people have spotted it on YouTube. I was like, you've had had like three years of free advertising off of us there. So, yeah, (laughs) I need to get a Paragon one instead. Yes. How have we missed that? We should have done that last time you were in without even telling you. Exactly. Yeah. We'll have like stickers on it next time we see it. Yeah. 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 Full full livery as well. It looked like 964. Um, yeah, let's so guys, you're obviously in, in the, the heart of the industry. So what has the summer been like in terms of trading? Good. Yeah, yeah really, I mean, it's really been good. good. At times, frustrating because we've been, obviously, like a lot of dealers, you're chasing stock. It's still a seller's market. 
to a degree. Um, okay. So it's been, it's been, uh, there's not, you know, it's been a little bit frustrating because each car's one of one, you know, they're, they're only dealing used Porsches. So you'll get a car in and you may have four or five people that want to buy that car and you can only sell it to one of them. Yeah. So uh, a little bit frustrating, but we've had a good year, you know, so far it's been really good. Cool. What was that noise? So that sounds like a truck well, or something. revving up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's good. That was a 930, a Martini oh, 930. Ah, okay, oh, yeah, wow. nice, nice. <laughs> Not in yeah. the showroom, unfortunately, <laughs> but, uh, in the workshop. <laughs> nice, nice bit of mise en scene. Um, yeah, yeah. I remember popping into you guys a couple of months ago, and um, you guys were saying it's just really hard to find good cars. Is that still the case, or...? Yeah, it's. I, I would say it's get, getting slightly, get easier, slightly yeah. easier. Yeah. yeah, I think that the, the obviously the values have been going up, so a lot of people have been thinking, "What? Why sell now if it's worth a little bit more next month?" Yeah, we think that's stabilised now. Mm. Okay, um, it's definitely the last. I think the last two or three months we haven't seen any further increases of prices. They're not coming down, you know. But I think we're. You know, as much as we can, it's it's difficult to hundred percent commentate at the moment. But it it seems to be that we're we've, we're in sort of uh, you know top of the peak, if you like, of yeah of, uh, appreciation. Yeah. I mean, definitely over eighteen months. You know, since COVID, they've just steadily appreciated pretty much everything. Has yeah. Um, What's the sort of levels like? Take a different car. Say I don't know. Say like air cooled stuff. How much has that gone up? 997s, 996s, how much has that gone up? Yeah. 991s, so, so, is there a... So you'll, you'll be aware because you're an air-cooled <laughs> owner, aren't you? So um, the air-cooled cars peaked in, you know, as, as a sort of obviously the classic car market, yeah, uh, peaked in about end of 16, early 17. And since then, before COVID, if you like, so 18 and early, early 19, all of 19, yeah, 18, yeah, 19, yeah. It was, you know, people thought the steam had sort of come out of the air-cooled market. Yeah. So um, I think what's happened is it's given people the confidence again because they have started to, they're almost back now to their prices of 2017, the peaks, you know. So I think that, that 18 and 19, they dropped down 10 to 15% off their peak. And right. now I think yeah. they're back up to that, the, the 2017 yeah. prices. Um, which is good, and it's a different crowd of people buying them, which is even better. You know, we're now selling classic 911s to drivers. Not, yeah, you know, it, it's it's definitely not. Um, it, it, it's not people trying to play the market and make money. It's you know, we're now selling them to people that are going to use them, which is great. Nice, That's fantastic, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nice. So, guys, why do you think, or, or where where is this kind of? A continuous kind of appreciation coming from because a year ago there was um, a school of thought that uh, there was a lot of Boris's money in the market and, and people yeah. buying cars with bounce back loans and whatnot. Um, obviously, we're a year on now. We're way down the line from that. So, I mean, I personally was I'm really surprised to see these prices still quite inflated. Like, what what do you think is driving that? I think that um, the fact that there's less new cars being supplied because of the silicon chip problem. Yeah. You know, um, and I mean, Lee, you're no better than us, really, for visiting the dealers. But the dealers now seem to be more focused on their used cars more than ever, I guess, because they've invested heavily in their premises. Maybe they want to, you know, used cars used to be a bit of a frustration for them. But now it's a real focus, isn't it? They actually want to, you know, if they sell two, two or three, well, they'll probably be now 400 new cars a year. They, 
they want to equal that with their used cars, which mm. I never used to, you know, yeah. used to just be. Uh, so that, so this, they're not releasing anything to the trade. Uh, but I think mainly the new the, 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 the new cars, and I think that people are just trying to enjoy themselves and they're not putting it off anymore. We're always hearing about yeah. oh, next year might be the year to do it. Those now people are thinking, I don't want to say next year. If I fancy it, I'm going to go for it. You know, yeah. people definitely make coming in the well, showrooms. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah, making yeah. the decision, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Um, we're definitely seeing that. Mm. Yeah, I've, I've definitely got been sort of saying that that's, you know, everybody's that sort of almost sort of the F, F it sort of mentality, yeah, yeah, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, They're just yeah. like, right, let's get on and do what I've been dreaming of doing for so long. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's definitely moment. taught us all that sort of this life, to, you know, it's easy to say life's too short, isn't it? But I think we all have seen that now, haven't we? Whether we've seen it directly or whether we've seen it in the media. Yeah. But actually, don't don't put anything off. You know, yeah, if you yeah. fancy doing it and it's not crazy, yeah. Then, you know, which and and as we know, buying a Porsche isn't crazy because even you know, for those people that say, "Well, I got it out my system, but it was fun." Why you know, it, it's not. You can always sell them again. It's not a terrible mm. thing to do. Mm. Uh, the whole transaction is normally fairly pleasurable. You know, from buying, running, and then selling. It's it's not like other cars that you know. It's just a. You know, residual, the high residual value continues, doesn't it, when you own the car? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Has there been any um, like generational models that have been like particularly good news, or is it a case of they're they're all doing well? <laughs> they, yeah, generally they are doing well. I mean, the frustrating thing is is the what we class as price range cars, so Boxsters, Caymans, nine nine six, nine nine seven is um, you know finding enough supply for those. There's lots of people that want to buy them, but again, you know, finding the right cars out there that fit our criteria of what we want to put our name to. So we, we could have sold a lot more cars this year if we'd been able to find those, you know, sort of like niche cars for us, really. Yeah. We, we, yeah. No, we normally try to have a good range of cars between 30 and 70,000 yeah, pounds. Yeah. What we've found that we've had to do recently is buy 100,000 pound cars and hope that that generates a part exchange for the sort of 60,000 pounds car. And yeah. hope that then generates a thirty thousand pound part exchange. Yeah. So it's almost like you know, like an estate agent. We're looking for a chain of, uh, you know, and that's the best thing for us is if we can sell someone a car and have one of our old, you know, supplied cars back that yeah. we know yeah. work, and that really helps us a lot. Yeah. And we've been working quite hard with the um, with our service customers as well because we're obviously lucky to have a load of service customers because whilst we've been in the showroom for twenty eight years, we've obviously run the workshop. For 28 years so we've got all of that database that we can work through just to you know we, we're not aggressively advertising to them but we're asking them you know if you're thinking of changing now might be a good time yeah so we, can, we can work with the service customers to a certain extent as well yeah well again if 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 it's a car that you know well um then you have confidence to to keep your name to it and to sell it because that's yeah, i think yeah, it's a, yeah. a difference to um between you guys and others is uh you, you buy all of your cars don't you they're not sale or yeah, return yeah, yeah um yeah. so yeah, yeah. okay and we'll always pay more for a car that we've previously serviced and supplied you know um because we because we know we should pretty much know the level you know we can discuss it with the service guys and even talk to the technician that last touched the car mm. and we can get a pretty good idea of of, of our expenditure when we're processing it for the next owner. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it must be nice when you're dealing with customers when there's kind of that speculative element of the market has been taken out now and then you're kind of dealing with 
enthusiasts and drivers that actually want to use them. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's lovely. And it goes in both directions. You know, sometimes some people have gone um, into newer, you know, nearly new cars and actually come back and said, actually, the sweet spot for me might have been a, I don't know, say a Gen 2 997. I hear that quite a lot. Yeah. People sort of saying, I think that was the real sweet spot for me. Um, depends what that, what they want to use the car for. So sometimes people are naturally moving up from Boxster Cayman, maybe buying their first 911 or whatever. Um, and sometimes people are going backwards and saying, actually, no, it's, it's you know, I know we, we use it a lot, but the, the, the analog experience, you yeah, know, they, yeah, they yeah. want to have a bit more of that. Yeah, so, yeah. And, and again, it's, it's changing because a lot of people were doing thousands of miles a year and now they're not doing as many, and then they can focus on a more of a, uh, a fun, you know, maybe a GT car or, or something that they didn't think they could ever own because, you know, they were commuting with their 911, and now they're they're not commuting. They're working from home, and they can have a, a more of a Sunday type of car, and you know, um, say a GT3 or something. We've we've done quite well on on uh, GT3s this year. Yeah, yeah, we sold a load of those. Yeah, that's, that's super interesting to know. Super interesting. Yeah. Um, what? Uh, we're just going back on a, a comment that you said, Mark, about 997.2, and a lot of people view that as that real sweet spot of the 911 range um, or lineage. I, I agree with that, but I've seen in the last year, there's kind of been this general consensus where people are going a bit more towards 991.1. Um, yeah. You know, and, and they seem to have got like really popular. And obviously when they first came out, they were almost lambasted for being you know really like big cars yeah. and you know yeah, electric yeah. assisted steering etc cetera, etc cetera. um but they're they're a lot of enthusiasts are hunting those down now aren't they not they are they're, yeah i mean it's interesting as well that not that it always used to be if there was an s model of something rather than the base model everyone you know it's almost made the base model unsaleable yeah, yeah. people would always go i've got to have the s you know the red calipers whatever the whatever the deal was with 991 and and I guess probably Gen 2 997 as well, yeah, but we're yeah. definitely finding that people will quite often want uh, not necessarily the highest spec or the, the top of the range car, you know, uh, uh, the standard non S, you know, Carrera, uh, you know, all, all uh, some of its price range, obviously, but also I think people quite often say, you know, they're not fixed on necessarily having to have the top of the range. Car. Yeah. Yeah, the um, I think especially by the Gen Two generation um, of non M One, that Carrera, the base car, it's it's all the nine eleven you need. You oh, know, yeah. it really is yeah. like right out of the box. It's a it's a phenomenal, phenomenal car. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, that's just what I've noticed is is nine M ones are really kind of popular, and I don't know whether it's that last of the um, naturally aspirated engine for the Carrera range and whatnot, but it seems to yeah, be a car that. Yeah. Yeah, it just it seems to be a car that you can use a little bit more, and it is is a bit more kind of daily driver friendly over a nine nine seven. Yeah, yeah, um, and again, Lee, you'll know this, and but I'm pretty sure that Porsche have managed to push prices up for the new cars. So Definitely. when we're talking about residual values of old cars, I, I helped someone the other day spec a nine nine two GTS, and it was one hundred and forty thousand pounds. Yeah, it's uh, a lot of money. Which then, when you look, because I was sort of almost a bit worried that we're, you know, the, the 2015 GTS is £80,000 and thinking, is that too much? But actually, that's yeah. a chunk cheaper than, you know, 
the, yeah, the that kind of drags part. up all of the the stuff that's yeah. under it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, Very yeah interesting. Yeah, yeah. 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 Nine Eleven Turbo is you know a lot of Turbo S is a two hundred thousand pound car now. Isn't it? Funnily enough, last week I was looking at um, at those prices and I could not believe what I was seeing. You know, some are up for like two five five, and you know when you yeah. stop and look at that as a figure, and you say it's a quarter of a million pounds for a Turbo S. It's not a special mm. edition car or you know, and you think that's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. It looks then when you look at nine nine two GT three, they're one hundred and forty five grand, aren't they, Liz? Yeah, you know, yeah. with some spec on them, with ceramics and things. So yeah. you then think that that maybe that car's a mispriced car. I don't know. I th- well, even um, by um, like comparisons, if you look at like a nine nine one dot one Turbo S. I mean, the way the 992 prices are currently, I just think that makes that car look just like fantastic value for money. We spoke about it before on the podcast, you know, like it's so much car for the money. It's unbelievable. Um, So it is is a bit of a bargain, provided you're willing to go down that turbo route. So um, is the the turbo still as popular as ever, especially the water-cooled generations, or are they getting a bit harder to sell now? Oh, they're still popular. Still very popular, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. they look a lot of car for the money, don't they? I yeah. think, with, you know, especially we, we've been lucky to get some fairly low mileage ones. We've just supplied a cabriolet to a guy, twenty thousand miles. Yeah, so yeah. Into what, six or seven years old. Yeah, yeah. Um, what's the price of that? Nine, uh, ninety-five. Ninety-five thousand yeah. pounds for yeah. you know, really bright turbo cabriolet with a, mm. you know, and that's yeah, it's it's it, it looks very fresh and young with twenty thousand miles and obviously immaculate and things and. You think well, it's it's half the price of a new car. Yeah. So it looks. Yeah. yeah. It, still, it still looks a modern and shape. It looks and great. Yeah. And yeah. they've aged really gracefully, yeah. haven't they? Yeah. yeah. The, the Gen One Nine Nine One, I think, is a good looking car. Yeah. yeah no. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Are there any uh, like bargains out there at the moment where you're thinking, well, look, you know, this looks like fantastic value for money compared to to it. Um. If Jay was in the room, he'd just be talking only about <laughs> GT3s of, of 996s, 997 GT3s. And I do agree with him. When you look at the numbers, they look, the price looks wrong when you look at, you know, a um, Mark 1 GT3, which is properly a classic car now, isn't it? 21 yeah. years old. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it should be over £100,000, that car. Yeah. But you can buy a really good one for £75,000 to £85,000. Yeah, and even the early RSs, okay, they've gone up a lot, but they're, they're, when you look at the numbers of 996 GT3 RSs, you know, 680 cars worldwide, they got used heavily for track days, so there's not going to be good that many investment-grade cars in right-hand drive form. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think things like that, um, I would say, are, are, are good. Mm. Um, 993 is you know is an air-cooled car 993 looks like the bargain car at the moment yeah, yeah. you know it's it's easier to buy a good 993 than it is a 964 or a 3.2 yeah you know well, so we always say yeah. that the, the 993 has always been up in the market isn't it it's never never hit the doldrums like the 964s and the, the scs and the 3.2s did they all became bargain basement cars at some time the 993 yes, never yeah, did yeah. No. um so they're always maintained much better than the than the, the cars previous to them yeah we we can't get enough of them but um, but yeah it's um you know i think a really good carrera 2 will soon be a hundred thousand pounds 
Wow. Whereas at the moment, it's sort of £65,000. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, I do I do think. And, uh, I think can, it can, it can just hear Andy's smile getting bigger and bigger. Is no, it no, no, it doesn't. I just think, oh, sh- shit, that makes it worse. That's it. It doesn't help you. Yeah. Yeah, oh, insurance goes be, up. They and... need to be completely factory standard. Yeah, no <laughs> not added, mine. No then. added stripes or <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no rainbow stripes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I fucked it. <laughs> uh, classic. So um, yeah, come on then, guys. Like, what, what do you think is going to happen from this point on? Then I know, I know it's obviously we're asking you to predict the future, which is incredibly difficult. But where where do you see kind of the Porsche marketplace going into Christmas and the New Year? Yeah. We, we discuss it a lot. Yeah. We do discuss it a lot because although we follow the market and we can't be held responsible to our customers, a lot of our customers are friends and all of our customers are valued, you know, so we never want to put someone into something that we think is, for instance, as, as you know, Lee, we haven't, we've, we've never been involved in the overs market when thing, when GT3s were double. Yeah, you know, the, the three hundred thousand pound nine nine one GTS or uh, GT three RS, we didn't get involved in that. You know, yeah. we're not saying we've never sold anything for over list, but that's not our market because yeah. we we sort of thought that's going to drop a hundred thousand pounds in 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 a heartbeat. You know, it really, yeah, yeah, and yeah. it did. You know, and it has. Um, so although we've obviously had to pay more, so we've had to charge more for the cars. Um, I don't think it's a problem because I, I think that the, the values, I think we've stabilised now. I think it is, personally, you think it's where yeah, it is, yeah, don't yeah, we? Yeah, yeah, but, but I don't see them dropping suddenly straight back to 2019 prices because the supply, uh, Porsche aren't going to suddenly turn the supply on for the new cars. I think that's just going to, there's just going to be a hole like there was in 2010, you know, after yeah. that recession. There's just going to be, not that many cars registered in 2021 and and, yeah. and probably first part of 2022 but and also of the people we're selling to i don't see them suddenly wanting to sell those cars you know they bought them mm. because they want to use them um yeah I, I don't see any problems but i think that that we're at the top i don't i, I you know i think the classic car market will continue to grow nicely maybe you know five percent a year something like that but um, with the sort of uh, you know zero to ten year old cars that have appreciated over the last eighteen months by ten to fifteen, maybe twenty percent, I think we're there with those prices. And I, but I think that they they you know there'd be a natural drop off. I don't see it suddenly yeah. falling off a cliff. Yeah. So back to normal depreciation on back on the sort of the, the zero yeah. to ten year stuff. Yeah. Um, and partly that I, is because, as I say, the new cars, but also partly because. Porsche have kept sort of cleverly increased the prices without us yes. noticing, and you suddenly yeah. go, "Oh, actually, it's 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 you know a standard 911 now. They all of them really are over 100,000 pounds, aren't they? They start yeah. a standard car with hardly any options is over 100. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean that that's happened across the whole motor industry, isn't it? The the price increase, um, yeah, it's just crept up year on year on year, and you do you look at a, I don't know. <laughs> like a little Golf Euro up. box. Golf Mental, absolutely yeah. ludicrous. So I mean, it, it yeah. does it does make Porsche look like good value compared to yeah. to those, you yeah. know. Yeah, um, absolutely. It's good. I, I, I feel pretty happy about that as an enthusiast. Like you know, you, yeah, you, you yeah. guys in the industry aren't saying, "Well, actually, it's you know, we're we're all heading for 
heading for trouble. So uh, yeah, batting the hatches and whatnot. So no, I don't, I don't think so at all. Also, yeah. rate of inquiries has really not dropped down. You know, it's been fairly consistent. It's been so, good, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Yeah. It's, I think it should give consumers like a nice bit of confidence then going into the new year that, um, you know, it's a it's a nice time to buy and, and it's nice and stable. So good. Good for yes. you and good for yeah, yeah. good for enthusiasts. So, yeah, I think yeah. also there's going to be an element of new year, new start for people as well. You know, having two years of the pandemic and stuff, other people want to you know see next year as sort of like a new start and things getting better, going on holidays and enjoying themselves a bit more. Yeah. 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 Fingers oh, crossed. Yeah. <laughs> we've been, yeah, recently, when you look at like the Brands Hatch uh, event, was amazing. the festival was great. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of enthusiasm out there, isn't there? People want to get out and drive their cars. And these cars and coffee events all seem to be absolutely full when you go to them. Yeah. De- definitely, there's, there's a load of enthusiasm out there, isn't there? People mm. want to share that, don't they? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah it's yeah, nice. It, a bit of a. Yeah, a, a, just a boom in culture after this, uh, you know, repression that we've all been in for the best part yeah, of yeah. two, two years now. So, um, yeah, look, that that's great, guys. We really appreciate your um, expert market view on that. And, and if it's right with you, maybe if we touch base again in springtime and and just see how yeah, we're going right, yeah. going with that. So we'll uh, we'll, we'll hold your comments from today yeah. to account then as well. <laughs> yeah. I look forward to it. Yeah, you said. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We'll review. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When, the, when the market's completely crashed. Do we go well? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, right, joking. yeah, absolutely brilliant stuff. Always a pleasure to chat. So, Mark and Jamie from Paragon, thanks for your time. Right, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Browse our listings of quality used Porsche for sale from Nineworks approved dealers at nineworks.co.uk backslash classified. Good to hear from them, guys. Yes, absolutely. So, yeah, thanks to uh, to Mark and Jamie at Paragon Porsche. Yeah. Legends, really. And, and as we discovered in that piece that they've been around for yars 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 so yeah they 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 definitely know their onions and and paragons are quality enterprise so yeah always good to tap into their wisdom um interesting what's going on then that is sort of leveling out um and maybe looking like it'll get a bit more normal well yeah i mean to a certain extent on the newer stuff yeah it's funny because like the the earlier this year the consensus was very good times right now. Um, still kind of holding on to uh, the coattails of COVID and, yeah. and, and the boom that gave because it did. It made a lot of people say, well, look, you live once. I want to buy my yeah. Porsche. Some people bought it with Boris's money, as is well documented. <laughs> yeah. um, and everybody assumed that that would kind of ease at some point. Yes. But as the guys have discovered, and I think anyone that's kept their finger on the pulse in the market this year, it's just not happened. Yeah, And everything's remained super buoyant. And it's been nice what um, Jamie and Mark were saying there that, that investor element is definitely depleted. Yeah. Which yeah, is so really dry, good. Yeah, but people are wanting to buy them to drive to them. Dri- yeah. So that's just like fantastic to well, hear that. Without a doubt, because um, when investors are in the market, you know, solely to yeah. invest in the car, to not enjoy them, um, the enthusiast loses out because yes. the cars, they go up in value. They're not seen on the road um, and the enthusiast that would buy them to drive them. So, for, yeah. you know, for, to yeah. buy them for the right reasons they can't buy those cars unless yeah. they're at, you know, heinously inflated prices. So it's, it's good news for the enthusiasts that it's enthusiasts are very much in control of the marketplace yeah. rather than investors. Yeah. Yeah. Without Absolutely. a doubt. Um, interesting about the older cars that are sort of, they're seeing, thinking that that's going to, you know, just build nicely, but there's no sort of crash about to happen or anything like that. It's more, you know, just continue the, the, 
slow build of classic car. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, as we always say, they're not building any more of them. Um, so they do become less and less available because yeah. cars do disappear. Yeah. Um, How does that make you feel as somebody that owns like a modified 993 where like they've really firmed up, haven't they? And the guys yeah. were saying that that will continue. Uh, it's like a two-edged sword in some ways, isn't it? You, you know, you feel good that you've got something that's yeah not depreciating. Um, but then you think, oh, should, should I be looking after it a bit more than... Mm. I am and is modifying it the right thing but everything all, all the modifications that I've done pretty much to my car are reversible so right okay yeah so yeah, well I, I, it's there for driving yeah and for enjoying yeah um, it's not a garage queen yeah there's sure. um, there's two schools of thought with the classics because as we know like 2012 you could pick up um, an SC a 3.2 a 964 for like less than 20 grand to yeah. be honest with you yeah um there's a school of thought that in 2015 when the prices there was that big boom yeah that air-cooled classics had just been underappreciated yes. for all of that time and yeah. that they've finally realized their true value and true potential yeah. um others have you know maybe felt that some of them are a bit kind of overpriced and whatnot yeah um you know where do you sit with that you're probably the former i suppose as, a, as an owner yeah i think i think they were undervalued mm. for a while um but it, it always comes back to that thing doesn't it that you know the 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 actual stock overall gets better as the years go on and mm. um, because they the the, the the shitters disappear yeah disappear people invest in maintaining the cars yeah. properly you know so the whole stock gets better and everything increases yeah um yeah and to a certain extent some stuff is dragged up but yeah yeah the majority of it is better than it was I know, 10 years ago. Yeah. So yeah, it deserves to, to, to be more buoyant, yeah. more, to be more valued. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah nice. Really yeah. nice. It's, it's great. Like I say that everything's like super stable and really no matter what car you're in, um, again, not that value should be kind of key to your decision making, no. but certainly I think it, it certainly helps maybe get things over the line with the significant other sitting at home sometimes. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So, Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Um, yeah. You're more than welcome to use this podcast. We won't, won't tell them that it's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't tell them it costs just as much to run the bloody things. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I, I've said before, like I've got a real hankering for like a G body target. Yes. As, um, as a high days and holidays car. And uh, I mean, again, you know, like six, seven years ago, you could pick them up relatively in Porsche world for kind of pocket money really yeah um they're not the case anymore and, and I'm pretty gutted about that I, yeah. at the moment like I obviously I, you know coming from like a, a poor man's nine nine eleven in a 996 but like I struggle to see the value of those cars when they sit around like 45k yeah. currently yeah. you know yeah um so I'd love to see them come back but I'm sure you know equally there's some people sitting at home that own them and are saying absolutely not I hope that yes. never happens yeah so. yeah it's difficult isn't it yeah from that point of view yeah, yeah. It's, it's nice that uh, 996 you know is a good example of this and 997 it's that they are kind of obtainable for a good deal of people along with you know Cayman Boxster yeah um, and that's great I think it's important for Porsche to have these models that are obtainable for uh, the every man and every woman you know absolutely yeah cracking so Good. positive news all round then yeah i think yeah a nice stay not yeah we're not heading for a crash it's sort of everything stabilizing um that's yeah calling the gang yeah let's Excellent. review it 
Yeah. Review it next year. See if, see if those Absolutely. predictions are true. So that was episode two of uh, Nine Works Radio. We yep. had Tony Hatter. We had Simon from Built by Basil. Yeah. We had Jamie and Mark from Paragon. We had the legendary Andy Brooks. <laughs> <laughs> and we had and what are we going to call you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Anything you like, especially on the weekend. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, that's, a, that's another stellar episode. We hope you enjoyed it, listening at home and we look forward to uh, doing some bits and pieces again soon. Excellent. Uh, next week, we are from Duke of London. Yes. So, yeah. With a distinct theme that uh, emanates or centres around the last of the air-cooled yes. 911s in the yeah. 993. Yeah, so I think that'd be good. Definitely. See you then. Bye-bye. This episode is brought to you by our very kind Patreons. If you enjoy the podcast and would like to join them in supporting us, you can do so at www.patreon.com backslash 9 Radio.